Broadcasting to New York City, Los Angeles, Chicago, Sydney, London, and around the world, this is Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for joining us here on Trumpet Radio Live. We're at 101.3 KPCG and online at kpcg.fm. This is Monday coming up on today's edition of Trumpet Radio Live. A look at some of the headlines, including uh, some news about California that uh, could be good, but it could also be bad. We'll take a look at that. Also, see what's going on on the uh, Trumpet.com and the Trumpet Daily Radio Show. I have a preview of those for you. And uh, look at a, a very important law that you need to uh, put into action if you want success in life. That and more coming up on this edition of Trumpet Radio Live. This is Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for joining us here on Trumper Radio Live on 101.3 KPCG. We are online, too, at kpcg.fm, and we have a live link at thetrumpet.com. I'm Dwight Falk, and Grant Turgeon is here today. Grant, is it a, in a pretty, you're in a pretty good mood. I mean, your Buffalo Bills, they didn't win. They, but it, it was close, 10-3 uh, to 3 in the playoffs. And so uh, they, I, I was watching the first half of the game, and they had the little the promo before the game and they were showing the clips of all the different Buffalo Bills fans or, you know, not all of them, but <laughs> some of them like, you know, home videos from when they, they won and they got into the playoffs. That was pretty neat to see. That's exciting when somebody hasn't been there in a while, but unfortunately the ride ended. That's very similar to how we reacted at home last week as well. But that's sort of like uh dating when you're a single you don't get your hopes up unrealistic unrealistically high you don't celebrate early so like we, we'll wait till the game's over then we'll we'll go crazy then but you don't start celebrating during the game so so when you don't have your expectations up too high you don't really get hurt from that that's true if you if you go into it knowing like well hey you know what what were they they were nine and seven on the year right so you know it, i mean the game was really close the whole time but you don't start thinking they're going to win. You just watch to see how it plays out and then react once it's finally over. Yeah. that You know, I think they would have won if uh, they'd been playing in Buffalo. Probably. Just because of the weather. Yeah. The weather would have taken away. Now, the other, the Jacksonville, they didn't play well either, but uh, it was warmer there, obviously. Mm-hmm. So you could play a little more freely than, yeah. I don't know what it was in Buffalo, but it was pretty cold from what I. It looked like it's still very snowy yeah. up there and probably very, very, very cold. But yeah. Jacksonville, that was just a really, really physical game. Both defenses just played incredibly. And I was telling you before the show, like, probably six or seven different plays where if the Bills made any any one of them, the, the outcome would have been different. Because in the playoffs, you have to have one big play. And the Bills didn't have a single one. Yeah, when it's a one-score game, then, yeah, anything could change it like that. So, uh, anyway, kind of uh, interesting to see. There's, uh, of course, talk today about the all the health and the concussion protocols and stuff because uh, – uh, Carolina Panthers quarterback Cam Newton got obliterated on a particular play <laughs> and tried to walk off the field and, and went down on a knee and then he was only out for I think uh, maybe one quick series and then he was back in mm. and the rule says <clears throat> that if you have a concussion you're supposed or you're supposed to have to go to the back to the locker room but they didn't do that they just put him in the little blue tent and now whether he had one or not I don't know but the rule says that if you if you show a lack of you know motor skill or you can't stand up, that's supposed to trigger it. 
to where you have to go to the back and look. So when I was watching that game, I thought, because they needed him, I thought, well, what are you going to do? Yeah. You're going to take him back or are you going to put him back in the game? He went back in. So, Well, that's it's interesting because on that play, he got hit so hard, I thought it knocked his whole body out of alignment. So when he took a knee, I thought it was like he was no longer able to stand upright anymore. I didn't, and it didn't strike me as a concussion initially because even, even the Bills quarterback, like the last series of the game got violently concussed and he was lying like he was dead on the ground so there's there's a difference and then there's other guys who when they get concussed they're like shaking their hands right in front of their face like they can't control it yeah so i i don't know with with cam newton it didn't really look like he had a concussion just like one of those bone jarring type hits Uh, maybe but yeah, that's they wrote it in there that if you you can't stand, you you got to go to the back. So I don't know. Yeah, that was weird when he, when he took a knee. It wasn't like he was like wobbling when he was trying to walk. He just all of a sudden just took a knee on the field. So yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a brutal brutal game uh, at times. So anyway, kind of interesting. There's a lot of different headlines out there today, and I was just uh, you know looking around at them, and the the biggest thing that struck me was just how everything is just so toxic and divisive. You know, some days there's some interesting stories that. They have some relevance, uh, and then other days it's just like uh, if you walked to say if the headlines were like a group of children, and you walked into the room, you just tell everybody to be quiet, just be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> it's just they're so divisive, you know. There's all the politics, of course. That book's coming out that about President Trump, which seems like a dime store novel, uh, <laughs> potentially. I don't know. Um, they had the the Hollywood some Hollywood Awards show. I didn't watch it, but it was on last night. And that's in the headlines and. You know the the Me Too and the bickering and 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 morality and talking about that and then there's all these different racial things being brought up. But just everywhere you look, it's just so discouraging and frustrating. So we're going to talk about a few headlines today, but we're going to avoid a lot of that stuff. Just you just get sick of it. Mm-hmm. There's nothing, and a lot of it is just bickering. You know, there's not really any value to the conversation. It's just two different sides, two different ways of thinking, and they're just bickering about it. Right, and. In America now, we've become divided into like a million different groups. But the problem is sometimes we'll fit into one group but not fit into the same group with certain people who fit in with us in one group. So, like, for example, sports was a way to get a, get away from the rest of all these issues. But now maybe you like the same team, but now there's the anthem kneeling issue. And so that's going to divide people who are fans of the same team who at least would have had a common bond in that way, but now we don't even have that type of thing to keep us at least civil toward each other in in one aspect of life. It's just like so many different areas, you know, if people are rich or poor, well, maybe they're a different race. If they're, you know, it just, it just goes on and on and on where obviously we're not all going to be exactly the same, but it doesn't mean that the different groups need to fight about it. Yeah. You could, you could look for common ground, you know, and as opposed to picking out every difference, then making it a an issue because there should be some, there should be some common ground. Of course, obviously, the common ground should be the word of God, but then people have very different opinions about that too. So. Well, yeah, the problem is now we can't agree on what is basic universal truth, and if there's an argument about whether truth stays truth always or if it's always changing based on the times. Those are the two main groups of people that are at war with each other, and that just happens to break us up pretty much in every area of society. I read uh, part of an opinion piece yesterday, I think, and it was talking about a, a political interview that had been on TV or something, and and uh, it was 25 takeaways from this interview, and uh, I read the first maybe three or four, and I stopped reading it. 
but it, it what there was no insight or anything it was just they they put up the sentence that the individual spoke and then they said well that was a weird word to use like that was that was literally literally their their insight and their analysis on it well that was a weird word and that was like the number that was the top <laughs> one like this is the the one we got you on and uh, and it was sort of an un- inconsequential word. I think the word was grotesque. Mm. They were, I think they were talking about the President Trump, this book about him, and they said, well, it was grotesque. And they said, well, that's a strange word. And I just thought, well, what is this even about? I mean, there's no there's no insight. There's no analysis there. It's just, I don't know, it's like um, you could just sit down and make it up off the top of your head, sort of. And that's those are some main headlines, so it's surprising. There's no depth or substance to anything like that. It's lazy writing to even formulate a piece like that it's almost like that's how society is though we we take our opinion we form our opinions based on a 10 second soundbite or a single tweet or two and that's that's why we're not really getting to the bottom of these issues because it's our attention spans have shortened it's almost like we're drowning in the shallows yeah that's right which there is a really good book on that by that title uh the, the california's got some weather stuff happening this week that you know, at first look, you'd think, well, this is good, but it could be bad. Southern California braces for heavy rainstorms today and maybe the next day or so, threatening uh, burn areas with runoff. So I'm sure a lot of people are aware that there's been fires out there, and so you get this rain, but then because of the burned area, it doesn't have the plant life and the soil's not the same. And so now you have, and especially if it's heavy rain, which it looks like they might have, now the danger, there's a danger of mudslides or flooding and, and all that. So, you know, it's you could have used the rain during the fires. Didn't get it then, but now you get it after the fact. So we've seen this cycle a couple of times. That just shows you it's an irreconcilable problem on a physical level. I mean, I would have thought that having rain at any time on an area that's been burned like that would help. But, yeah, once you look deeper into it, of course there's going to be issues because there's not there's no plants anymore to actually absorb the water then then you just get flooding so they're getting either extreme they're not getting the rain when they need it uh they're not having warm temperatures without fires which is obviously what everyone would prefer it's just curse after curse after curse for them this uh they say there's going to be about four inches of rain it's expected uh in eastern santa barbara county and western ventura county over about 12 hours so you know do the math on that that's a lot of that's a lot of heavy rain uh, from Monday evening through Tuesday morning, forecasters are saying. The Thomas Fire, which was centered in these two counties, burned more than 281,000 acres in the area last month, which made it, of course, the largest fire on record in California. According to uh, Kathy Hoxie, who's a meteorologist with the National Weather Service, she said, unfortunately, it's centered, this, this storm, this storm is centered almost exactly where the Thomas Fire was. It's an odd coincidence. <laughs> and then there's going to downpour right on that area. How many California residents must be shouting at the skies at this point after all that they've gone through and to just see how the different elements of nature are not working in their favor in any way? And of course, again, we can't look at it physically. We have to go beyond that to a spiritual level and a spiritual explanation for the problem. Yeah, I mean, you really, you have to start thinking about some of these things. Uh, it says the mountains above the San Gabriel Valley uh, are kind of a secondary hotspot, according to uh, Hoxie, the meteorologist. Uh, from two and a quarter to three inches of rain is expected there. And she says, if we drew a map of where we would least like to have the heaviest rain, we would draw it where the Thomas Fire was and maybe where the Sand Fire was last year and the Latuna this year. 
That looks to be where we've got a couple of bullseyes as far as the storm. So like she said, if you could pick a couple of spots where you do not want the rain to fall, that's where they think the rain is going to fall. So we'll see what happens with it. But, I, you know, you would think people start to say, well, wait a second now. <laughs> this seems a little bit uh, odd. Um, you know, is, uh, you know, is there anything to learn from weather disasters? Is there anything to pay attention to here? Well, the storm is pretty clearly targeting <laughs> the the worst area possible right now. And, I mean, is that just convenience or is somebody actually controlling how that works? I mean, that's a question that people probably aren't even asking when they should right now. Yeah, God. God says in his word, he controls the weather. He sends it. He, you know, does what he wants. Uh, they say when a fire sweeps through an area, it not only burns vegetation, it also affects the soil. And they say when you have these burn areas with that kind of crystallized soil, it doesn't soak in the way it should. It runs off. With that kind of heavy rain, if we're talking four inches in 12 hours, that will cause some problems uh, anywhere. I mean, you know, you could get that rain anywhere, you'd have issues. But the biggest concern in those debris is those debris flows, where if we get that high amount of rainfall, she says, it's a double-headed issue. You can get flash flooding periods, and in addition to that, you can have uh, debris flows, so everything just sort of pours down. And uh, there's thunderstorms in the region. Potentially, that would be on Tuesday. And, of course, she says the problem with the thunderstorms is that the rain comes quick. You know, it's not like we're talking, we're not talking four inches of rain potentially over the course of a week or, I mean, even that might be a danger, but we're talking about over a 12 hour period. So we've had, we've had some really, we have a lot of good storms here like that. We get these massive downpours, but usually they stop after an inch or two, hopefully. And if they don't, even, even here, we'll have flash floods and you see that and they get to be dangerous. But uh, this could be quite a, quite a situation in those areas in California. And California would be the last place you would expect to have torrential rain as well. I mean, it's just incredible. When when you look at all these different factors and how they're lining up in this way, I mean, it's it surely has to be beyond chance, beyond coincidence. Um, California is known for droughts and fires, not for, not for rain like this, especially right after a fire like that. It's just, it's just, it's just crazy. I mean, it is, in a way, it's miraculous that it happened that way, but obviously in a in a bad way. Yeah, it really is. I mean, if you think about it, the timing was different. If you had these massive fires going and that rain came out and put them out, you'd, you'd think, wow, this is miraculous. I mean, it's mm-hmm. amazing. But this is like the opposite. This is more of the cursed side of it. There's a great book on the trumpet.com about uh, why natural disasters that you should look at and, uh, you know, Decide for yourself, is this climate change creeping up upon us, or is there an intelligent force that <laughs> determines some of these things? Yeah, why don't we just build a massive dome over all of our cities to to block out rains like that? It would stop fires, too, probably. So uh, we're, not, we're not necessarily coming to many great solutions, even though we try to throw money at these problems. Yeah, there's nothing you can do to start the rain or to stop it, not, not substantially anyway. Uh, related to this, uh, there's another California story here. Uh, for this is from the New York Times. Uh, this, it's talking about political division between California and Washington and, and much of the country. California has kind of become its own state country. They're doing their own thing, sort of. Uh, Jim Newton, he's a lecturer at the University of California, Los Angeles. He said, seems like every day brings a new point of contention between two very different types of leadership. Uh, it does not end just with this contention. They say there's new laws that went into effect on the 1st of January in California where they raised the minimum wage, allowed parents to withhold gender and birth certificates, obviously because they're 
We're going to let them choose later. And strengthened what were already some of the toughest gun laws in the country by restricting ammunition sales and assault weapons, barring school officials from carrying concealed weapons at work. Taken together, the measures are the surest signs yet of how California is setting itself apart from Washington and many parts of America, too. So they're kind of just saying uh, we're going to do our own thing. Of course, there's, they're the sanctuary state. Uh, apparently, officially, unofficially, I don't know how that works, but very much going their own way. They're having weather problems. There's a lot of issues going on in that state. Um, something to think about. Did you see that uh, road sign? Did we talk about that That yeah. road sign in California where it yep. says uh, California official sanctuary state, uh, illegals, felons, and MS-13 welcome. Democrats need the votes. <laughs> right. Yep. Yeah, I saw that. We talked about the other day, and uh, I hadn't seen the whole story where where they gave the rest of what it said, and then there was obviously somebody put it up as a prank. <laughs> but sometimes there's truth in pranks, maybe, and there's there's some truth in that. And I was actually shocked to read recently that California has more Republicans than any other state. I mean, if you if you do look back at the last election, well over four million people, I believe, voted for President Trump. Uh, that just shows you that there are quite a few people who don't agree with the direction that the state is going, but. I mean, that that state has changed so drastically in the last several decades. Um, They have changed the population of their state. Uh, So that that sign was actually quite accurate. It is just amazing some of the changes society wide. The fact that now you don't you don't have to put your child's gender on the birth certificate. You can withhold it. You know, if 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 you took that that law out of this time that we're in now and backed it up 30 years and you just told somebody that, I think people would be really confused. Like, why would you, why would you do that? Like, what sense does that make? I think we know right off the bat, don't we? <laughs> it was pretty clear. I've had, I've had two kids born. I, I knew instantaneously what their gender was. <laughs> if I wasn't able to tell that, I don't think I should be qualified as a, a parent of any kind. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a pretty clear cut. But... Um, we obviously we know why they're doing it, but it just highlights the societal change. And you look at those changes, a lot of them being pushed by, say, some of those states like that. And, and then all these other weather problems and issues. And you really need to go to the trumpet.com and, and look up California and that topic. And is California under a curse? If they are, why? What, what's going on? What, what's happening there? Not just California. It could be any place, but California in particular seems to be a real bullseye for things. Mm-hmm. And how much of that gender issue comes down to us radically redefining the roles within families. I wasn't too long ago that even in this country, uh, as, as crazy as it might seem now, we used to actually define what the roles were going to be as soon as children were born. If, if a child was born as a biological male, he was going to be uh, raised to become a leader, become a, a teacher, become a provider and protector in his family. Uh, and then, a, of course, a, a biological woman would be raised to then raise and nurture children and to be the more loving half of a, a, a family. So it's just when, once you change that and then you have um, women in the workforce and there's a push now to have men and women doing the exact same jobs. Science is trying to undermine the, the, the genetic facts that the two genders are different. Well, once you get rid of all those other differences, the, the genitalia doesn't seem to make uh, too much of an argument anymore. If that's literally the only thing separating the two genders anymore, why even let that be a barrier? Yeah, really, really strange. We've talked about it before how if, if it's an issue, say, like 
the idea of climate change or of evolution, the argument, if, if somebody were to bring up an argument against it, usually people will say, well, come on, it's science, you know, and they'll just kind of throw that at you. You can't deny the science, which actually uh, is true if, if you're looking at the correct science. But then when it comes to some of these other things where they, you can you can choose your own gender, what about the science of it? You know, now I know that they, they say, well, it's they'll, they'll manipulate that, too. But again, I think it's just it's it's a good reminder to not just take all the quote unquote facts at face value mm-hmm. because they're not not as factual as it might seem. Right. A junk science abounds now. You can't trust science to be objective. The same thing with the media. These institutions that used to be objective, used to be committed to finding the truth are now pushing ideologies first and foremost like that's their entire job when obviously it isn't but science can now say gender is a matter of you know what is in your mind and we can't read people's minds we don't know what every single individual person's thought is therefore we cannot tell them what their gender is once you start getting into that uh that realm and you have it in a place where you can't possibly determine for each person what their gender is uh, it's kind of hard to conquer that argument unless you have god in the picture i mean it's the same thing with climate change the only way to prove it wrong is to wait several hundred more years once all the scientists who are pushing climate change are already dead and gone it's a long-term thing it's going to take a long time to disprove it same thing with genders they're getting to the area where it's it's all about what a person thinks and since you can't read minds you can't tell them otherwise yeah, it's uh, will worship, like the Bible talks about. Well, whatever you think, whatever your will determines. Yeah, that, right, right. Or, there's no right or wrong. It's just your will on it. So, yeah, they're fighting these ideological battles in the right places where it's basically impossible to prove them wrong uh, definitively unless you bring God into it. There's another uh, just headline here uh, to look at. Um, this I thought was just sort of interesting. It highlights again this sort of divide that's happening in the country. Um, and uh, this is on a more personal level. From the Associated Press, uh, recovering Senator uh, Paul says political violence is a rising concern among politicians. Senator Rand Paul says he's recovering well from the November assault that left him with six broken ribs and says violence against political figures is a concern among his colleagues. He said that on uh, CBS's Face the Nation, that fellow lawmakers don't want to think it's open season on elected officials, but... There's been a few instances where it looks like if people don't like your politics, it might get a little bit heated. Uh, he wouldn't say exactly what happened with his neighbor. That's still sort of a... His neighbor attacked him. Right. It was an odd story, and then at first it was kind of presented like, well, they had some disagreement over their lawns or something, which, uh, wow, that's pretty okay. <laughs> and then now, it, I, you know, it's never really come out exactly what's happened there. So I don't know if his situation is exactly political violence, but on the whole, he's saying it is beginning to be a concern among some politicians. That was a really strange story because wasn't his neighbor some kind of a successful lawyer? Obviously, very very well off, and it seemed like even his neighbors thought he was just a totally normal person. And then all of a sudden, he violently assaults this senator. It's just, it is strange. I mean, why else would you do that? It doesn't seem like uh, the dividing line between 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 enough to assault somebody like that yeah i, I don't understand obviously why anybody would do that it's a horrible thing to do there's no reason for it um but especially below when somebody is pretty successful in life and you have some things going your way 
you think, why would you throw that all away for this <laughs> to attack your neighbor who's in his front yard? It doesn't it doesn't make sense. It's not like I mean, it's never good in any level, of course, but sometimes somebody might be trying to rob somebody or something. Like it's not right, but you understand, okay, this was the motivation for what they did. Uh, in this case, it's just not really clear. Mm-hmm. At least they're not saying. But in any event, um, uh, he's one that I, uh, is speaking out about it, and he said people are concerned that um, it's going to become more than just uh, you know debates at some point. So anyway, he said it. He's a politician, so I guess that thought's out there. Yeah, and unless a person is seriously mentally deranged, there has to be a really, in their minds at least, a really solid reason for attacking somebody like that. But what about the media saying that Republicans are trying to kill 20 million people by removing Obamacare? Would that, would that, in some people's minds, be a good enough reason to take out a senator? If you think that that senator is contributing to killing 20 million people, that type of uh, extreme language in the media and in the Democratic Party, in that case at least, it could, could be grounds for some people to try to do something like that. Yeah, there's uh, an opinion piece that's out there today in some uh, website that pretty pretty prominent website and the the author again it's just you know sit down and basically writing from your journal (laughs) and putting it (laughs) online there's nothing to it other than that but but anyway it's out there and and the the, it's a woman in this case and she's uh upset about some issues and and so her basic point is well you know i used to think that if you played by the rules you know things would be fine but it's not going to be fine so i'm going to be angry and not apologize for it and that's the same sort of thinking like what do you what are you saying about that? I mean, what are you trying to get people fired up to do? So um, anyway, you see those things pop up, you know, every few days at least. And, um, you know, some people believe it and and feel like uh, uh, maybe they're getting the message loud and clear, whatever it is. Right. And obviously in the society now, too, there's a, a gigantic sensitivity toward words, anything that people might say that, you disagree with could be grounds for physically attacking them that that has been normalized by the media they they continually cover up for groups like antifa that are violently assaulting people on a regular basis in this country on college campuses at different public rallies and events uh, but the media continues to report on them as if they are a, a group committed to fighting fascism in legitimate ways well, what they're really doing is they're rioting in the streets and no one says anything about it. So when the media reports on it that way, that's a dangerous path to go to, to pretend like political violence is acceptable. Yeah, that opinion piece I was mentioning, there is one commenter that I thought had some pretty good common sense. And they just said, OK, I get that you're upset about some things, but everything you're upset about, there are laws against in this country and if you if somebody just happens to not like you and that's their personal opinion or you feel that they don't but they're not breaking any law what are you going to do you know th- th- you can't control everyone's opinion or everyone's thought unless you want to become some sort of i don't know you know dictatorial regime or something <laughs> like that i mean as long as and now you don't want to you know obviously people shouldn't have bad thoughts towards each other but again you you can't like legislate opinion <laughs> and say this will be everyone's opinion or else. I mean, they try it in North Korea, places like that, but who wants to live in a place like that? And the radical left really is trying to do things similar to that. They're trying to make offensive speech the most highly punished offense in society now. And and 
the thing is, if if we do that, there are going to be people who disagree with them trying to get laws passed that would then persecute their opponents. I mean, it's just it's never going to end. Where if you say one word out of place, uh, you could get jail time. Is that really? how we want to proceed with this are words really more offensive than violence and murder and and actually trying to solve those serious problems yeah if you and that's of course been pointed out in a lot of things uh, a lot of good writings um including a character in crisis which is a great book at the trumpet.com that if you get away from the rule of law then you just have the rule of men uh the rule of a king the rule of a dictator to where whoever comes in power they make a bunch of rules to make things go their way and then if somebody overthrows them, then they make rules to go the other way. So it's always this changing system, and it's not fair for anybody. It's just whoever's at the top gets the control. But the rule of law says everybody has to follow the same law. So when you start getting away from that, that's when it gets dangerous. Very true. And and the Bible even has a lot to say about the words we speak and how we say them. Um, and there does have to be a certain amount of tact involved in saying certain things. But But also the Bible talks about confronting evil and speaking the truth about it, even when that is unpopular. Um, it's not about saying nice things and hiding from the actual problems that need to be solved. That's what political correctness is. It's failing to acknowledge, completely purposely ignoring actual issues because that might offend certain groups of people. And the Bible certainly doesn't condone speech like that either. So uh, Senator Paul it says political violence, rising concern. So, there, you know, there is... There are those prophecies that talk about a time when nobody wants to lead, you know, and who wants to lead us? Nobody wants to <laughs> because uh, it just gets to be too much of a problem, it looks like. Uh, here's uh, an interesting study that might be beneficial to some people, I guess everybody that's older. Study finds key to feeling younger is acting younger, within reason, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> they, but they, they say perceiving ourselves as younger than our age is linked to more uh, future-oriented outlook which means that we make better health choices and, and are more engaging in exercise and healthy eating. And uh, the findings of the, this survey support previous research that has shown uh, that the nostalgia boosts our mood. So when people, you know, they're, they're looking forward to something, they're not, they're, they're having this positive outlook. They're not so much focused on the age they are or concerned about it. They're just moving forward with life um, that they, they tend to uh, have better health and feel better. That really is a, a nice way of looking at it. And again, it does show that the mental outlook does have a gigantic impact on physical health. That's an often overlooked aspect of health, but if we don't have a positive mental attitude, then things break down pretty quickly. It's it's pretty easy to see that if a 70-year-old is trying to keep up with levels of activity from when he was 65 or when he was 60, that's not an unrealistic goal usually, and it's actually a good way to to stay active, for example, and, and to uh, make sure that just because we age, we don't start limiting ourselves and then, then falling into a state of decay just because, oh, we're older and we can't do anything about it. You know, I think of uh, the coach for the Seattle Seahawks. Um, Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll. Yeah. He's in his mid-70s, right? He's really old. He's been around a long time. <laughs> and just to see him, he looks he looks younger than that. And he, he you know, he's obviously an older fellow, but I mean, he's very energetic. He's always chomping on his gum, oh, he and, sure is. and running up and down the <laughs> sideline, and very energetic and everything. And uh, and then he, his hands a lot. Yeah, there's a few coaches like that. And I guess I guess I tend to think of the NFL because sometimes they're more prominent. I guess, but there's some assistant coaches on teams that are in their 80s, 
uh, I don't know how old Dick LeBeau is, but oh, that guy's been around forever. Yeah, yeah. And they're they're still getting after it. I mean, they they have a purpose to life, and they just seem energetic and ready to go. And mm-hmm. you know, it's funny they talk about oh, they used to coach such and such a team back in the '60s. You know, and you're like, really? Back then? I don't know if it was that <laughs> long ago, but I mean, they've been around for a long time. So there's some good examples out there. But in every case, they seem to have a little bit of a younger mentality, and and they're uh, I think forward thinking. And not just kind of like, well, this is it, you know. And look at how effective they are because those football coaches are master motivators of men. I mean, they, they're they leading close to 60 or 70 men for, for the most part, maybe maybe over 50 for most of the season. And they're constantly making decisions that affect their players' lives and they have to do it in a way that uh, is best for all parties. And, and so those are leaders. Those are people who motivate and inspire the guys who are working for them to want to go out and accomplish a common purpose. If they were just sluggish and, and negative and discouraging all the time, uh, people wouldn't want to follow them. Yeah, it's true. Uh, Wade Phillips, he's not, he's an older fellow too. He's been coaching a long time and his dad just died like a year or two ago. Wow. Like I couldn't believe it because <laughs> they were talking about, you know, one of the, the, the Phillips died and I thought it was Wade Phillips. <laughs> it was his dad. It's like, wow. Well, I guess you know he's, he was really he was in his boy he was in his nineties mm-hmm. I think so anyway the 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 mental outlook the positivity definitely does help uh, make sure you stop and check out thetrumpet dot com today top story is Germany quietly working to unite European militaries uh, the Germans have already begun training their officers to lead a European military and when you start looking at all those numbers there from different nations all of a sudden you've got a pretty big military um, anyone remember what happened last time. <laughs> Last couple times, Germany had a powerful military. Is it, <laughs> those are bad times, right? It, <laughs> it was really bad, and Mr. Herbert W. Armstrong also said that if Europe could ever effectively unite, they'd be the biggest power in the world. Not Russia, not China, not America, and and they would just be such a formidable force. The problem is you have to have all those different tiny nations agreeing with each other and having strong enough leadership to make that happen which is not always uh, as easy, as easily uh, done as it is said. Right, that's the thing, and we see that in the U.S. too. The divisions weakening us, if we could be unified, would be strengthened, and the same is true in Europe. If they can get unified, then they have strength in numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, in this country, we just see so many uh, just snarky, backbiting-type comments that do tear people apart when they when really— we're all human beings. We all we all have families. We all are in the greatest country in the world and should be able to agree on that. But when you have forces that are trying to divide, it does cripple a country, and especially America, which is the greatest nation that this world has ever seen. Uh, for it to be divided from within like that, uh, really, it's the only way it could have possibly happened. But it's actually really, really sad, and it's a shame uh, that that that's the type of example we set despite having all the advantages yeah president lincoln of course hit on that in his uh famous house divided speech and uh, he got that from from uh, christ <laughs> so yeah. he, he had good source material make sure you listen for the trumpet daily radio show today with uh, your host Stephen flurry back after a couple of days uh break from that talked about a few things including germany and what's going on there and uh, marijuana use, how it's being glamorized and legalized in the U.S. and a lot of different states and glamorized. And he talked about the, the infamous CNN New Year's Eve uh, <laughs> pot party that they had live on air. I just couldn't believe that. Yeah, and he played some clips from that too. So um, 
yeah, I mean, here you are. Here we are as a country. Um, I suppose there could be children watching that, certainly adults, um, a few anyway. <laughs> and uh, But it's just common. It's it's your news reporter now, and they're, they're teaching you how to smoke marijuana. That's right, and she was she had a microphone in one hand and a joint in the other hand and just was proudly smoking it on live television while doing her report. I mean, that... Never, I never did I think we would get to that point where uh, a news organization as big and as prominent as CNN would be doing something like that. But uh, is is CNN really to blame when the whole country has seriously uh, loosened up its response to drug use when we do constantly glamorize it, when we always say that something like marijuana is, is basically harmless, it's easy to have a good time with it, even it has medical uh, benefits apparently. So so why not uh, show how harmless it is on CNN if that's the way that a lot of the country thinks about it now anyway? It's amazing if you think about them doing a report like that 30 years ago, they would have all been fired. You know, It would have been outrage beyond, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what, the, it would have been a big problem. And uh, now I know some people could point back and say, well, yeah, they smoke cigarettes, though. But there, you know, there again, uh, they learned the obviously devastating impacts of it. Yeah, but it affected many people and still does. But but now they're acting like there's no no ill effects to marijuana at all. <laughs> of course there are. Even just even just smoking it. There's just the the <laughs> the effects of smoking that stuff or other people take it other ways. I know. But um, there are a lot of negative results. So it's. It's like anything goes. And like he points out in the Trump Daily Show, they're kind of acting like, well, this will be an alternative to opioids. So you don't do your opioids, now you just smoke pot. never works that way. It never works that way. <laughs> where, where where has that ever worked in life where you have this bad addiction, so you get another addiction to help you out and get away from the other addiction? You just have a bunch more addictions now, right? Right. And the, the trend really is uh, it, with addictions in general, and, and probably a lot of people have experienced this, if you are caught up in one addiction to get away from that or to get the same amount of high you have to go to something more extreme it's not just oh i'm actually going on to a better addiction no the the addictions are getting progressively worse and more dangerous that's why marijuana is often called a gateway drug you don't even need scientific fact to back that up even though there's plenty of that too just thinking about it logically if you think about any addiction that's how it goes you progress into deeper and deeper addiction by getting into something that is portrayed as harmless that maybe is more harmless than something like cocaine or ecstasy or something something else. But that doesn't mean marijuana itself is totally harmless. It, it just might be a little bit less bad than some of these more serious drugs that actually a lot of people end up getting into anyway just by starting on marijuana. Yeah, it's just, it just loosens the, um, the restraints. And as you loosen the restraints... And, and and there's no way, there's no way that people that are hooked in very hard drugs are going to say, oh, I'm going to change my ways and go to this other one. All that you're going to do is you're going to bring a whole swath of the population that's not involved in any of it on board with marijuana. And from there, the jumping off point to who knows what else. And even if they never do anything else, well, now you're a pot smoker the rest of your life. Yeah, that's a great point. All the people who have always believed that doing marijuana is wrong and maybe their stance has changed on that just because of the way society pushes it now those are people who probably never would have tried drugs and yet because of the way society glamorizes it what if they try it now and then they get hardcore addicted to that or to even worse drugs i mean these are just lives being ruined because we're trying to change laws i mean laws are there to 
protect us from things like that and not to get us into it. And there's a lot of hypocrisy surrounding this, too. You mentioned cigarettes. There's attack ads on TV about tobacco all the time. And yet marijuana, smoking that, has the same effect as five cigarettes on your lungs. Even even there, it's more it's more destructive, yet you don't see attack ads on marijuana. Every, every ad about marijuana, every billboard you see on the side of the highway, it's about, well, if you got caught doing it in this archaic state that hasn't legalized marijuana yet, call me and I'll get you out of trouble. Right. That's, that's what it's about. It's not about how about you stop doing it because it'll ruin your life. Yeah. It's going to be uh, not going to be a good, good thing, that's for sure. So anyway, there's more about that on the uh, Trumpet Daily Radio Show. It's kind of funny, just human nature, I guess. You know, it's always sort of pushing to see, like, pushing the envelope to see what more you can do. And very rare for somebody to say, oh, what if I just didn't do it? What would be the problem? Well, nothing. You just have a nice, normal life. <laughs> you know? Now, yeah, there are people that say, well, it's to help with pain or, or different things that they're having. But, but even there, that's uh, that's not a lot of people. And there's there's other, other things going on with those situations, too, sometimes. But in any event, uh, the floodgates are being opened. So it's you're going to really have to, you know, people have to make their own choices on those things. And But, you know, if you're raising a family, it, it is somewhat concerning. Oh, what are your kids doing? Mm-hmm. What are their friends doing? I mean, you you have to pay attention, and you have and you have to also make you know make the law for your house and say, well, maybe they can do it other places, but we're not going to do it. So there's going to be a lot of pressure on parents too. That's that's true, and we do have to remember um, in in the midst of all this that marijuana is a mind altering drug. It alters the chemical balances of our minds. So why even take a risk with something like that when the mind is the the highest level supercomputer ever devised it's the greatest physical tool i guess it has a spiritual element but it's the greatest tool that that god could ever create and so that that's not something that you want to mess with uh even if you think there's going to be minimal effects it, it alters the chemical balance of your mind you can't say the same thing about alcohol if you if you drink a couple of drinks it's not going to alter your chemical balances there's extremes in everything but even just having one puff of marijuana can change your chemical balances that's not that's not what they that's not the same with beer which is what people try to equate marijuana to well it's interesting because um i don't know what what the exact push is in the health industry these days i think it's changed somewhat maybe but but for a time there was this this outcry against cholesterol yeah, bad cholesterol, it's going to clog your heart. We've all seen the commercial, and your heart gets clogged with that stuff. Nobody <laughs> wants that. It's a bad deal. So they, they for a long time, they said, well, don't eat any part of the egg except for the whites. Stay away from that wicked yellow part of the egg. <laughs> and they have all these ads on it and so forth. And so, you know, you have things like that where it's like, well, it's an egg, though. I mean, it's a natural food. And uh, no, stay away from that. Uh, how about smoking this drug? That's probably fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I don't know if they still feel the same about eggs. I guess it, 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 things come and go. But but anyway, they get really into um, like the medical community, really pushing a particular health trend. And I, and I have to just sit back and say, well, look, I'm not the big expert, but come on, is are we ODing on eggs? Is that the problem? <laughs> is that would that solve all of our problems if the the chickens were banned? Or is there something else going on here? And the thing with the the health field or the medical field is that they're flip-flopping on the same issues. I've heard of, like you said, 
getting rid of yolks, but I've also heard of only eating yolks and avoiding the egg whites. How about the shells? Just the shells? <laughs> yeah, just the shells. <laughs> or or like with butter, butter is terrible, but actually now it's good if it's if it's natural. Right. I mean, all these different issues where the health community d- reaches a consensus apparently, but then they change it. Uh, right now, they're trying to say that marijuana is fine, but could you could you not see them maybe making a consensus like they always seem to do and then changing their minds on that too oh you know it's going to happen once there's more there's going to be more problems coming out so anyway it's a really interesting program day in the Trump Daily Radio show you really need to uh, pay attention to that um, it's coming up here in a bit uh, and you can find that online too at thetrumpa.com and at kpcg.fm we've been talking uh, over the last few days about uh, this great booklet the seven laws of success and uh, the fifth law is what we want to talk about today and it's a law for emergencies. Sometimes emergencies come up. You have a really good goal. You have a great action plan. You've been educated. You know what you want to do. You're getting after it. You have the drive to do it. And then something goes wrong. <laughs> you know, I plan to get in better shape. I'm going to do this exercise. And you pulled the muscle. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, throw it all away. Forget it. No, you have to keep going if it's a good, a worthwhile goal. And so the fifth law of success is you have to be resourceful. When things don't go as you planned or there's an emergency, be resourceful to keep going. And it's very easy to see an emergency as a sign that maybe our goal was wrong. But if we have taken these steps and we've thoughtfully considered our goal and we've gotten educated in the right direction, we've made sure that our health can can hold up to that, we have the drive to accomplish it. If something goes wrong, that doesn't mean that everything we did was a huge waste of time. We have to to keep that in mind. Sometimes uh, the goal can be a little bit unpleasant and so when something goes wrong we gladly are going to uh, depart from that goal just because uh, it wasn't going to be so enjoyable to reach in the first place right yeah there's all kinds of things that come up in life that are kind of getting your path getting your way mr armstrong who's writing this book on the seven laws of success talks about um in uh 1924 way back then having a model t car which would be worth a fortune today but <laughs> back then it was more common He's driving from Iowa to Oregon. So that's a long trip even today. Model T, roads back then, a little tougher. He said that we met repeated emergencies of motor troubles, flat tires, blowouts. We had to solve the difficulties by patching tires, putting boots in the casings, or doing our own repair work by the roadside when the motor stalled, which from what I understand was a little easier back then. The cars were not quite as complex as they are today. (laughs) But... Uh, still, I mean, what do you, it's a great it's a great example because what are you going to do? You know, you're like, well, I got a flat tire. Well, I guess we're just going to live here. <laughs> <laughs> you, usually, you fix the tire and keep going to your destination. It's the same with goals. You don't get a flat tire and just say, well, this, I'm just going to live here till I die at the side of the road here between Iowa and Oregon. <laughs> you you got to keep going and figure out a way to keep on the path. Exactly. It's not like oh, it's not good to go to Oregon anymore just because you get a flat tire. It's still it was still a great choice for him to go up there. He he found great success there after a while, and that's actually where God's work began, really in earnest up there in Oregon. So, uh, for Mister Armstrong to have just quit on that on that path up to Oregon, who knows how history might have changed in, in terms of uh, God's church, God's work. Uh, you have to have resourcefulness in, in a situation like that to uh, make sure that you're able to keep going on toward the goal even when you start running out of resources. Yeah, he, he gives another great example of, of Niagara Falls and watching the water and, and, and the rivers and things. And We've all seen this if you've ever been to a river of any kind and it's running, or a fall in particular, a waterfall. The water comes to a point and it's stuck. There's a rock. 
It just sits there. Huge flood. Floods the earth at that one point. Of course not. It just finds another way around the obstacle, which when you first look at it, you think, well, that, that's impenetrable. Like, how would you get through there? But it always it always finds a way down. And uh, just another good example of the way we need to be in our lives. He says, uh, the IBM people have put out a famous card found in many offices, which says, think, <laughs> exclamation point. And sometimes they deliberately spell it thimpk. Uh, with an M. <laughs> I guess that's how you'd say it. <laughs> uh, well, he says, when sudden emergencies arise, then of all times you need a clear mind, calm nerves, rapid thinking, sound reasoning. None of those come to you through marijuana, by the way. <laughs> just, to, just to tie back into our last subject. That's so true. <laughs> I mean, it is true if you just stop and think about it. He says, you need resourcefulness. You need a cool head to quickly make uh, get all the facts and make a wise decision when an emergency arises. Yes, and those are actually, even without marijuana, those are the exact opposite ways that we respond naturally in a situation where an emergency comes up. You have to be you have to be almost like prepared for an emergency. You have to be expecting the worst and preparing your mind at the very least for something bad to happen so that you don't just go into full panic mode and lose your ability to come up with a solution on the fly. Uh, leaders cannot, especially they cannot uh, go without resourcefulness. At, I mean, does the whole ship have to go down because one leader is incapable of making a snap judgment? That That's obviously... Um, a horrible way to be led to have someone like that who just cannot uh, stand up under pressure. Yeah, I think of the sort of famous thing that maybe this has happened to you, maybe it hasn't, but you've seen it, where somebody's trying to nail something and they hit their thumb with a <laughs> hammer. You ever done that? No, I have. Well, not hard. It, okay. it wasn't. It wasn't something where I remember it too well. <laughs> I've done it. I've done it. Uh, or if it's not that, you're you're trying to you know, get something in that slips and it cuts you or something like that. And uh, so what's the first thing that normally happens? Yelling, (laughs) throwing things, something gets kicked probably. Uh, But ideally, uh, if we follow these steps that uh, are brought out here, we, you know, get all the facts, keep it calm. Why did this happen? I need to move my hand. I need to, you know, and we could solve it because it's interesting to think about that. It's kind of a silly example, but what, what's the end goal? Well, to pound the nail in. That's mm. what we're trying to do. And <laughs> But it's so easy just to have the, the freak out moment. And then you go right back to pounding the nail in, usually, <laughs> if you haven't destroyed everything. <laughs> um, and we'd be sweet. how much time would we save if we just took a second, figured out how to solve it, and just solved the problem? We'd solve the problem faster. Yeah, and, and really, in a situation of emergency, a lot of time there's actually more time than we think because you do have a second to just withdraw mentally from the situation take take some time to uh, formulate a solution and then get back into it as long as you are able to block out the chaotic environment around you which is is the way it is in a lot of cases but there there is a way to uh, find a solution to make sure that you're thinking logically and clear-headedly and not not panicking whenever something like that comes up so it's a famous movie scene somebody's freaking out and the other person slaps them Right. Get hold of yourself. <laughs> then they figure out how to fix the problem. Hopefully, hopefully there's at least one person who will be doing the slapping and not both people freaking out. I was thinking that would be a great invention, like uh, uh, one that wouldn't hurt too bad. But you could you could just like push the button and it would, you could do it to yourself <laughs> for emergencies. 
be like, what about like an electric pack of gum? You try to pull out the something, the piece, and it shocks you back into yeah. your senses. Yeah, something <laughs> just to get you back, just calm yourself down a little bit. Uh, so resourcefulness is a very important goal. There's uh, some interesting, just nice, some kind of neat quotes about resourcefulness that I dug up, and uh, uh, one of them is um, a resourceful person will always make opportunity fit his or her needs. So you know we can't always dictate all the circumstances, but if we're resourceful, we can usually figure out how to make it work. I mean, some people just are great at that mm-hmm. to where no matter what comes their way, it turns into a success because they just resourcefully deal with the problem. Yeah. There is something to be said about being flexible, but like Mr. Armstrong warned about in that booklet, uh, sometimes that just leads to people being buffeted about by circumstance, not having any control over what happens in their lives. Uh, but the people who are really resourceful, they can pretty much, bend circumstances to their will and they can they can make the best out of any situation they can uh take something that would divert a lot of people off the path to success and they would just basically bend that diversion diversion back into the right path i mean it's just amazing when you when you're around people like that you know they have something special yeah ernest hemingway famous uh, author said uh, now is no time to think of what you do not have think of what you can do with what there is so there's some good, uh, a lot of times life forces people to be resourceful. You know, you think of uh, like the Great Depression or something where you have to make do. <laughs> it's amazing how long you can make things last or how how you can make things work. There is a, an interesting story. I don't know if you've ever heard of this guy. And I've I looked it up a couple of places to try to verify <laughs> that it's accurate, <laughs> and I believe it is. And uh, he's he's known as the red paperclip guy. Have you ever heard of him? Mm. Okay, good. This this gentleman, he he's a Canadian uh, blogger, Kyle McDonald. He successfully bartered his way from a single red paperclip, that's what he started with, to a house <laughs> in a series of 14 online trades over the course of a year. He was inspired by the childhood game Bigger Better, which I have not heard of. Uh, his site received a considerable amount of notice for tracking the transactions, as you would expect, and uh, that's what he did. It seems almost impossible. So that's why I had to, <laughs> I tried to verify. But from what I could tell, this is legit. So either I'm, I'm the, the victim of a cruel hoax or this is accurate, <laughs> but I think it is. Anyway, he started out with this red paperclip, apparently, and was able to barter with people that wanted different things. And he bartered it all the way up. He's, he lists how he does it. It's kind of weird. Oh. Some of the things he was bartering, it's just strange stuff. <laughs> but anyway, he bartered his way up to a house, and he did it uh, in a year. So I thought that was an interesting example of uh, resourcefulness. Wow. I mean, if you can get from that, if you can get from a paperclip to a house, I mean, wow. What what couldn't you do in the physical realm? Yeah, there there aren't too many limits if you're able to do something like that. And uh, especially in a place uh, like like America where anything physically is possible pretty much uh we can't we can't afford to limit ourselves too much because there are so many different opportunities out there a lot of the time if we don't have resourcefulness we might not even see an opportunity for what it is it could be staring us right in the face and we don't we we might have a specific goal in mind but not realize how a certain situation could even help us toward that yeah, there's some points that they bring out from this guy's example, this red paperclip guy of resourcefulness, and they're, they're, they're pretty interesting. One in particular, they say resourcefulness is more important than resources. Mm. And, you know, if you if you think about that, if somebody said, hey, uh, Grant, uh, I'll either give you a million dollars in cash or you, I will give you the ability to be extremely resourceful. <laughs> you know, obviously, you'd probably be like, I want the money, but... 
but it, I'll take both. <laughs> but if you, uh, but if the resourcefulness is actually the better thing, probably because if you're not, you could easily waste the money and be gone. And then, well, what did I do with all that money? But the the ability, the skill to be resourceful, you don't lose that, mm-hmm. and you can you can make a lot of amazing things happen as you go on in life. Yeah, when I heard that quote about the resources, I was immediately thinking about our government and how there's there's shocking stories that come out all the time about just how sloppy with money our government is and how millions of dollars go toward a study that that show if a you know if a fish can can run in like a little like hamster wheel or whatever whatever the stupid study is and it it makes no sense yet the money's being allocated to that so you can have all the resources in the world and yet you can spend it on incredibly trivial studies or or just basically riffraff and yet if you had res- if you had resourcefulness what if our government just had a million dollars and yet they were smart with it and they had a good way of uh negotiating with people and they they developed relationships well that would be more more valuable than all that wasted money yeah i thought there was one other point from this uh red paperclip guy who again started with a red paperclip what if it had been blue? Who knows what would have happened? But anyway, <laughs> and he ended up having a house from it in a year. It's just, you can look it up and see how he did it. Uh, but another lesson the person draws from it, and uh, it's if you're, if you're familiar with the Bible, this will ping your interest, is uh, don't despise small beginnings. Of course, the Bible talks about not despising the day of small things. And they say no matter how, how small or insignificant something may seem at first, never underestimate the fact that it could grow into something much bigger and, and quickly sometimes. It's just a matter of being resourceful, uh, using what you have, being forward-thinking, paying attention to opportunities. But, you know, you can't, you can't, you know, the guy could have taken the paperclip and just tossed it, so who cares about this thing? But <laughs> for some reason, he was able to, you know, um, keep things going. And, and even though he started small, it didn't discourage him. He kept going. So I think that's a good lesson as well. Very true. And resourcefulness does apply to every aspect of life, sometimes you have to stretch a, a paycheck out for a week longer than you were expecting to, or or you have a car accident, or maybe there's an injury or an illness in the family, and there's a lot of different uh, options to solve those things that might be way too expensive when you could have a remedy that uh, is right there in your mind if you just think it, think it up. Yeah. Here's a good quote for our day and age about resourcefulness. They say, if you can see yourself more than just a, as more than just a victim... Now you've got the place to move into that is much more vital and creative and is resourceful than being a victim. So it's easy to have something happen and think, wow, why has this happened to me? As opposed to getting over it and being resourceful and figuring out a way to improve the situation. Wow. That would change the entire country, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Victimhood is the greatest class in society now. That's that's how you get all the benefits is, is by pretending to be a victim. Yeah. Totally unrelated, but you just gave me a great idea. Speaking of resourcefulness... If you wanted to make money, make a um, uh, pullover sweatshirt with a hood on it that just says victim. <laughs> it's a victim hood. <laughs> That's actually a really good that one. That is a great one. You People could, would buy it. You in, could. In mass, they would. I bet you, yeah. Well, some that's a money-making idea for somebody out there, not for me. But <laughs> resourcefulness—that's the—that's uh, the fifth law of success. Because sometimes emergencies come up, and you have to figure out a way to deal with them. So resourcefulness is that fifth law. There's seven laws, and they're in the seven laws of success. Make sure you get that booklet. It's free. It's at thetrumpet.com, and you can get it right now. That's all the time we have for today on uh, this edition of Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for being with us here on this Monday. 
And uh, make sure this for the Key of David program and the Trumpet Daily Radio Show. Those are coming your way in just a bit. For Grant Turgeon and myself, Dwight Falk, have a great rest of your Monday. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Trumpet Radio, 101.3 KPCG.